Are you ready to go offside? Because it's time for Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts, and myself, Doug Ireland. All right, we are here yet again with another amazing guest on the summer of Offside. We are joined by the Toronto Sun's Lance Hornby. He has covered the Leafs for over 25 years. Lance, how are you doing this evening? Doing very good. Thanks for having me on. Not a worry at all. It is blistering hot here in Nova Scotia. I can only imagine what the temperature is like there in Toronto. Oh, for sure. It's uh, it, it, it's a usual uh, humid self, of course, with the heat island we have here with all the tall buildings. But, uh, you know, uh, it always uh, helps to cool down and talk about hockey. And now that the uh, Argonauts are obviously going nowhere and the Jays have traded themselves out of contention and that the Raptors are in the rearview rear view mirror, it's going to be uh, hockey talk pretty soon here uh, before uh, the long weekend rolls around. Well, that's definitely something we're going to jump into tonight, obviously, with your purview being the Maple Leafs. Um, the first question I want to ask you tonight, Lance, is how did you get started in all this? Obviously, you look back, you know, 25 years covering the Maple Leafs. What was the start for you? Uh, well, uh, your research is a little faulty. I've actually been at it 35 years. 35? Okay. 25 <laughs> years is what it says when I look at you. When I throw you into Google, just to be honest, it, be, it shows yeah, up 25. Well, <laughs> Another reason not to trust Google sometimes, even though I use it uh, a lot myself. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been at uh, at this, uh, I've been in the business since 1981 uh, out of uh, Centennial College here in Toronto, at the Toronto Sun uh, ever since, and I've been covering the Maple Leafs since 86. So I think that uh, that's coming close to uh, to 35 on the Leafs if my math uh, isn't, uh, but I'll, if I'm not there, I'll certainly uh, be there in a little bit. But yeah, it's been fun, you know, you've uh, not obviously seen a lot of Stanley Cups here, but... Uh, it's always fun to cover a beat where everybody's into it and there's Leaf fans everywhere you go, especially Nova Scotia, uh, having been down in Halifax a couple of times when uh, they played some exhibition games and camped down there. Of course, it's been uh, it's been a great run and got to see uh, a lot of the world through the Maple Leafs, even over uh, to Afghanistan and, uh, and Japan-related uh, uh, stories covering the team. So uh, it's been pretty good, as I say. The only thing missing is the Stanley Cup. Well, that is something that hopefully that will be coming this year. One of the questions I got off on the weekend when I did get to see Mr. Mike Babcock, I asked that question. He says, as long as everyone listens to me. So, obviously, he's <laughs> pointing that little finger at everyone needs to uh, to buy into the Babcock train. But as we know in Toronto, it seems to be uh, Dubas's way. And if you don't fall in line there, you might be out the door. Um, we seen yeah. this. We seen this summer... Um, the Toronto Maple Leafs actually finally uh, maybe answer the bell for Mike Babcock in terms of depth. I was wondering what you were thinking about with the, I believe, seven players the Leafs signed. You have Neuverth on a PTO. Um, it seems they brought in players like Spence and everything on a cheaper kind of deal. But what do you think of the Maple Leafs' depth overall this summer with what they went and got? Well, let's start with Babcock. I mean, uh, you know, he's uh, it's going to be a very interesting year for him. Uh, I, I don't uh, buy this whole thing that uh, he's going to be uh, let go if they don't get off to a fast start. I feel, uh, you know, you know, the last time they got they let go a coach who had back to back hundred point seasons was uh, was Pat Quinn, and everyone knows what happened then. They missed the playoffs for the better part uh, of a decade. So uh, I think uh, it will be an interesting year for him, though. He has to. Uh, you know, maybe bring some of these new guys in uh, and and make them, uh, you know, make them uh, accountable. Because I think part of the reason last year is that he was he was loyal to some guys, and, and some of them, like uh, Ron Hainsey, have been moved out. And uh, you know, he had Nazem Kadri as the number three center. Uh, that's obviously going to change this year with some of the new guys uh, coming in, such as Alex Kerfoot. So there's going to be 
some changes there. Uh, you know, Kyle Dubas has made some interesting trades, certainly with the division rival Ottawa, and that's a very uh, unusual move. But then again, they, they moved uh, Dion Phaneuf a couple of years ago when, you know, in opposite circumstances. Ottawa was going places and the Maple Leafs weren't. So in general, some of these new guys uh, I really like. A lot of it obviously is going to, uh, you know, nothing will be settled until Mitch Marner signs sometime around uh, the end of camp when they can open up some cap space. But uh, if you're looking third line down with some of the, the moves they've made, Alex Kerfoot at center, for example, is a good, uh, you know, a, a good pickup. Uh, he's, they're going to miss the uh, feistiness of Kadri, but I think he's a decent guy to uh, to move in there. Does Jason Spezza have anything left? Uh, we'll see. Uh, you know what they have, uh, Nick Shore to uh, try on on the uh, on the fourth line, and then uh, a whole bunch of people that they signed those seven free agents in the last little while. I think they're going to give uh, a push to. You know, third and fourth line, maybe some of that toughness that they missed uh, in the playoffs. Kenny Agostino, uh, players like that. Uh, you know, sure, I mentioned Tyler Gaudet, uh, uh Garrett Wilson, players like that. I think it'll be quite interesting. And, of course, on defense, where they're going to have to move in to Cody Ceci, uh, who's he going to play with? Probably uh, Jake Muzzin. They've got uh, Tyson Berry, who everyone is raving about. Uh, you're not going to replace the, the, the PK minutes that uh, Ron Hainsey had with... Uh, with Nikolai Zaitsev, but uh, on the other hand, uh, in the playoffs, it wasn't so sharp for them. And of course, uh, health issues, Travis Dermott being hurt, and also Zach Hyman, who said today at his golf tournament that he's not probably going to be around for uh, for the uh, the start of the season uh, health-wise, maybe not till later October. So there is uh, some interesting developments there, and uh, you mentioned off the top Michael Nervers. Uh, what, what is uh, his role going to be? Is he going to be able to uh, beat out uh, Michael Hutchinson for backup now that Garrett Sparks is gone. And, uh, you know, how much again do they ride Frederick Anderson? And I guess uh, I'll, I'll end off on that note because Anderson so important to the team and uh, played uh, probably the uh, ideal amount of games last year. But uh, clearly uh, you have to have someone who can go uh, deep into April and May. Well, that seems to be the going trend now in the NHL is teams going with a 1A and then maybe a 1B or a very good, you know, uh, second goaltender. Um, you look to Carolina, you look to uh, teams, even even though it wasn't the greatest situation, like Florida tried to do it with Luongo and Reimer. Um, now they've moved into a pure 1A situation there. But it seems to be more of the model some teams are going for to give their good guy more time to heal, relax, and be ready for the playoffs. You look at a team like the Boston Bruins, actually, Tuka Rask and uh, Yaroslav Halak. That was a perfect... Uh, range to see these, uh, you know, these goalies play in, and you see what Halak, or not Halak, um, Rask was able to do over the playoffs. So, oh, for sure, yeah, and a, a good point. And I thought maybe two years ago, you look back, and Toronto had that right mix. Everyone thought with uh, with Anderson and Curtis McElhenney. That and, still uh, you know, Maybe, yeah, maybe the uh, maybe that was the one uh, maybe that was the one uh, mistake that stands out with uh, Kyle Dubas so far is that he gambled and lost. Uh, on uh, on the backup, and uh, you know, uh, Sparks wasn't what they thought that they, he was going to be, and uh, ultimately, those were some valuable points that cost him. Uh, you know, and a lot of people say it's uh, home ice advantage that that was uh, that cost him in the playoffs. So interesting to see certainly what uh, the backup situation is, and uh, if uh, if health can stand out for uh, for Anderson again. And I certainly at times thought in the Boston series that he was uh, you know playing. Uh, as well, if not better than Rask, and uh, who knows where the Leafs go if uh, they take control of Game Six uh, or Game Five, I should say, back in Toronto when they had a chance to really take a stranglehold on that series. No, for sure. 
The health of Frederick Anderson is something that always worries me. Obviously, it seemed not last season so much, but the season before, you know, players and teams kind of running the net, and Anderson had the iffy situation with concussions, and that always worries you, especially with your number one goaltender and not really having an heir apparent right now for the backup job, really with Neuwirth coming in, Hutchison battling, uh, Cascasuo. But then you look down the chart, you look at uh, Joseph Wool and Ian Scott. Those guys really aren't ready for prime time either. So even if Neuwirth is signed, do you see the Leafs still looking externally for another goaltender to come in? Or is what they got what they're going to roll with? Well, you know what? Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't mind Hutchinson's game a lot. I'd like to see him, uh, you know, start from uh, the beginning of the year, get in a groove, and uh, maybe get some exhibition games in and uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know. Nervous uh, thirty-one. Uh, he's had some ups. He's had some downs. I don't. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if uh, you know if he was the answer to a lot of. Uh, uh, of 1B or 1A uh, goaltending issues around the league, you would have been signed by somebody else. So uh, you're right, though. A good observation about uh, Wall and Scott. I think they're two really good young goalies, and I think their time is is not too far away. Uh, one of them, I'm sure, in the next uh, couple of years, will arise to uh, to challenge Anderson as the number two. And uh, not right now, of course, but uh, right now, uh, why why disturb them? They're on a pretty good track, and uh, they may shine to the Marlies uh, before this is uh, this is all said and done. Uh, uh, but you know, it's still going to hurt them. I think uh, McElhinney is is still in the in the East, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, with Florida. So I think he's going to be a uh, uh, going. You know, what I'm trying to say is a goalie like that is still going to make a bit of a of a uh, of an impact. Uh, a veteran goalie, if you can find the the perfect match, you stay with him. I guess that's the underlying lesson of the whole McElhinney thing. Definitely, and maybe they'll learn that lesson when Frederick Anderson becomes that kind of. You know, on the yeah. backside of his career, they'll learn don't let go right. of this guy. He can still win you games. You know, he may cost yeah. you a little bit more, but don't let him go. Yes, Tampa Bay actually is where McElhinney wound up. I was, uh, I knew it was somewhere in Florida. I was fifty uh, percent right or wrong, and I guessed wrong. But uh, at any rate, uh, it's going to be uh, interesting with him there, and uh, you know, and, and James Reimer still kicking around too in the in the Eastern Conference. Oh, for sure. Well, I know there's a lot of people in Toronto, especially one Steve Dangle, that would love to see James Reimer back in a Leafs uniform. I don't see that happening this season. And, of course, Tampa Bay would be the ones to go get Curtis McElhaney. I mean, Tampa Bay, for whatever reason, the cap just doesn't seem to exist there. The things that they're able to constantly pull off. So, it's, Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, you know what? It, it, it's an interesting dance. I mean, a lot of people going way back, I mean, everyone thought the, the Leafs would be saddled with uh, with David Clarkson for a long time to get out of that. Uh, they, they thought, uh, you know, Kessel and uh, Fanup would be albatrosses, and they got away with that. And... And now with a little hocus pocus, uh, ironically enough, getting Horton back, that might be the answer to uh, eventually signing Mitch Marner. So we'll have to see. No, definitely. Well, that's going to free up the cap space and be able to do it. We all know where that's going. I mean, that's the benefit of having Lawrence Gilman and Brandon Printham on your squad. You know, guys who know the CBA inside and out and help write it. So that there is going to be, uh, I guess, cap magic at its finest. And you never know. I mean, we spoke last week to uh, Patrick Johnson of the Vancouver Sun you know, and wondering what teams might start thinking of these uh, things because it's an ability that rich teams have to be able to flex their financial muscle and not really be penalized for it. We've seen key teams like Arizona do it on the bottom end to bring themselves up to the cap floor, but not a lot of teams really flirt with going over the cap with contracts. So you have to start to wonder, is it something that's going to be looked at as cap circumvention or is it going to be something that 
something is written in where the Leafs do get end up getting penalized eventually, kind of like Vancouver did with the the uh, Luongo deal. Now they're facing three million dollars in cap recapture fees after he retired. So you have to start to wonder if the eyes might start pointing towards, hey, what's going to happen here? Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know what? And it's uh, it's sad in many ways that the accountants have taken over the league, but that's the uh, that's the world we live in Nature right now. And uh, if uh, Toronto, uh, you know, is Toronto's able to pull this off and you know win uh, win a couple of rounds uh, and uh, you know and stay on the right side of this cap uh, line and this uh, you know this kind of dance that they're doing, uh, it'll be more credit to uh, to Kyle Dubas and the fact that he's uh, you know learning the ropes in the first uh, three or four years. Uh, with the team and is the second and third year as GM. Well, definitely. And, I mean, it just shows you that it's not only the GM. It kind of takes a village to run this team. Everybody looks at just the GM to do everything. But, obviously, having the right people on your staff definitely helps guide you and make sure you make the right moves and be able to kind of bend the rules to your liking and your abilities, much like Lou did when he was here and created Robida Island. It was a laughing joke, but... (laughs) It still was something that was very viable for the Leafs to use, even in those times. So, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, you know, you, you mentioned Brandon Pridham, who was a big part of that, and worked, uh, you know, worked for Central Scouting, worked for, uh, you know, for the Central Registry office, and uh, you know, he, he knows uh, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those ins and outs. Not that other teams don't have that uh, that kind of thing, but uh, that's one area where the Leafs can spend, right? And and other teams can spend if you don't. Uh, have millions for something you uh, you pour it into other stuff like the least pour lots of money into their their farm system to operating uh you know what is very close to a pro uh, or an nhl team with the toronto marlies and uh you know uh threw a lot of resources into the team in newfoundland uh, which won the which won the championship there it's uh you know it, it's allocation of the resources you can spend certainly well that brings me to a question we just spoke you know a couple moments ago about getting off on the right foot this season in Babcock. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on Hackstall and obviously on Sheldon Keefe signing an extension with the Marlies. Does that put any type of pressure on Mike Babcock? He, after seeing him, it doesn't seem like a guy that has any pressure on him right now at all. But I'm just wondering if that was a, an indication to him to say, hey, we shook up your staff. This guy used to be a head coach. This guy below you is pushing to be a head coach in the NHL someday. You know, you better get the ship right. Obviously, I don't think that it'll be the beginning of the season that he goes because you can't use that as a barometer because Dermot's hurt, Hyman's hurt. The team needs to gel and come together. But I think at the end of the season, if things don't go as planned, you have an A and a B there already to kind of move into that position. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that overall bubble and what would the mindset be of Babcock and Dubas at the same time? Well, you know what? Uh, it's certainly a great point. I think it would have been suicidal to put Sheldon Keep on his staff uh, in terms of you know uh, the optics looking bad and having him rate right on there. And you know what? Uh, uh, again, the Leafs can offer Sheldon Keefe uh, a lot of money that he can uh, be very happy uh, with the Marlies, and uh, you know he, he can move a lot of uh, you know still be a factor with kids such as uh, Timothy Liljegren, Erasmus Sandin, uh, Jeremy Bracco, guys like that. He's uh, he's brought them up uh, now. There's no uh, you know there's no rush uh, for him to move into the Leaf job. It's going to be not not that they can't afford it. A lot of money for the Maple Leafs to cut. Mike Babcock loose. He's still, uh, you know, only halfway through that fifty million dollar contract. But uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, unrest. I think if they don't get off uh, to a good, and I think certainly, uh, you know, you bring up a good point about uh, not letting him go early. 
But if they go out in the first round again, uh, especially if uh, if they're favored, then uh, certainly uh, that's not going to sit well. And you do have, uh, you know, uh, even though Hoxtall is there and uh, Ed McFarland, uh, the other new uh, assistant coach, uh, you know, I'm not sure if, if they're the guys to move in. I, I think when you consider how loyal uh, Kyle Dubas has been to Sheldon Keefe and been uh, together for so long and brought up, uh, you know, uh, uh, so many good players from uh, from the Marlies together. Uh, Keefe is definitely the guy. It's just a question of when. And uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, in a perfect world, Babcock still wins a, a cup within the, um, you know, within the confines of his current contract. But, uh, you know, he is... Uh, he is a driver, he's a barker, and uh, players sometimes tune that out. And a lot of people have not, uh, you know, in, in Detroit, certainly towards the end, that's one of the reasons they, uh, you know, weren't shedding too many tears when uh, when he left. It, it was time for him to go. That time, I don't believe, has arrived with the Maple Leafs, but uh, one more playoff exit and, uh, you know, uh, I guess more of the same in terms of, uh, you know, some of the stubbornness with, uh, with certain tactics, uh, I think may reflect badly on him. Well, definitely. You know, going out in the first round, it's never good. And seeing it twice in Game 7 to Boston, it has to sting. Um, yeah, the, but the, you know what? Good teams, you know, but, you know, they're, the other counter-argument to that is that, you you know, you, you learn about winning by losing. And yep. there's so many, you know, I mean, to the Detroit, the Islanders, a lot of teams have done that, though. Maybe they're in a different position that they, they still had uh, a great roster that you knew eventually was going to. Uh, you know, I was talking to Jimmy DeVolano uh, earlier in the year, and he went through every year when Detroit was picked to go, you know, so deep and uh, got knocked out in the first round or uh, didn't make the playoffs or one year even the least knocked them out in 93. And yet they learned from that and they became, uh, you know, a near a near dynasty team. So it's, uh, it's quite interesting that... Uh, you know uh, what? You know what you can chalk experience up to, uh, but in Toronto it's a different uh, game. You know, it's been 52 years since the cup, and people have uh, put a lot of invested a lot in this rebuild. And uh, I think if it looks like it might be going off the rails, then uh, the coach will be the first one to pay the price. No, for sure. Well, here's a question for you. Then, obviously, at the time you spent covering the Maple Leafs, you just touched on it there with the rebuild. How has the mood, how has the vibe been, not even just in the media circles, but just around the team in general, since Matthews and co. has shown up? Has it gotten more jubilant? I'm going to talk about next year in just a little bit, but just since Austin Matthews was drafted, and then obviously you have Marner and Nylander and Anderson and Riley coming into form, you know, what was it like? Obviously we all know the dark times, but once those pieces started to fall into place, what was it like to be around the team? What was the mood, the atmosphere and everything? Well, it was just, uh, I remember, you're coming off the, you know, the, the Kessel uh, enough years, the Brian Burke years, where there was a lot of blather, but no real results, and you didn't really have two guys who were media-friendly or uh, the face of the team. I'm talking about, uh, you know, Kessel Phaneuf, maybe some other guys. Yep. They were bringing, uh, bringing uh, everyone else uh, down, but uh, when, you know... Uh, uh, obviously, you know, you're not going to argue. Phil Kessel went on to win a couple of cups, so you knew he had something left. And uh, Dion Phaneuf, uh, you know, a good, uh, good maritime boy, uh, yep. he was a uh, bit of, you know, he, he was very nice 
off the ice and uh, on the ice uh, when he didn't have to be uh, the central focus, when he could just be a member of a top four or top six group, he was fine. But anyway, the, I digress. When you move ahead now with this bunch and, you know, you see them, the famous uh, shot of them all singing at the bench during the timeout in the first year, Marner and Matthews uh, all singing to uh, that song by Journey. Uh, you know, he, he really, it, it really is uh, bringing a lot of energy and youth into the whole picture. And uh, a night at, uh, at the Scotiabank Arena now is an exciting night. They play well at home. They set a lot of uh, records there. The, the crowd is louder than it's, uh, than it's ever been. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, the vibe in the dressing room is, uh, is, is pretty good. They have a, uh, you know, they, they make everybody else younger. You add on all these other players like Kapanen and Janssen and, and players like that. It, it is a good place to play. And it's, there's no better place to play in the NHL than Toronto when you're winning and when you have some playoff success. And uh, so that has been, I guess, the uh, the biggest thing. And now they got to do it at playoff time. You get a little taste here and there. I, I think after Morgan Riley scored in uh, in game six, and it looks it looked like the Leafs were going to have a chance to uh, end that series at home, there's a, a lot of excitement. And you wonder, they get past that, and who knows? Does the road open up to them like it did for uh, for the St. Louis Blues? Who knows? But uh, getting out of the uh, the first round is, uh, is paramount. Well, to me, and I've said this numerous times to numerous guests and just on the show in general, I feel like the Boston Bruins are what the Pittsburgh Penguins were to the Washington Capitals. Once Washington slayed the beast, so to speak, in Pittsburgh, you know, all bets were off. They were off to the races and ready to go. And I'm wondering yeah. if the same thing happens to the Maple Leafs. Once you clear that mental hurdle of the Boston Bruins, does that just open the floodgates and everything then is just, let's go, we know what we need to do now. The hardest thing is over. And I say that because even Boston this year said that Toronto, up until the final, gave them the hardest go on the Eastern Conference journey. So you have to think the team has what it takes. It just needs to get over that mental hurdle. And like I said, maybe they are the... Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins of the, uh, the yeah. police Boston thing. And who knows how the playoffs shake out. Maybe another team does that work for Toronto, knocks the Bruins out before they even get that far. Don't get me excited like that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in all honesty, you know, covering the team for this long, there's been a lot of times when free agency has come up and, you know, this guy, you're excited, maybe he'll sign with the Leafs or that guy or that guy. And then July 1st last year rolls around. And it comes across the wire that John Tavares has signed a deal with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Covering the team for so long, take us through what that felt like. Being able to report on something that big, you know, basically one of the biggest fish in free agency, signing at home with the Maple Leafs. That had to be a wicked time to be covering the team. Well, you know what? It was uh, it was at the end on July first. It was okay. It was the week leading up to it that killed everybody because he went <laughs> through that whole uh, song and dance, uh, take you know, taking everybody uh, you know with the presentations in in Los Angeles. And Tavares is a pretty uh, you know he's a he's a very uh, honest man in so many words. I don't think he wanted to anger uh, anybody, but uh, most people knew if the Leafs made a pitch. Certainly, he'd be uh, he'd be listening there at the end. So some people, especially on the island, thought he led them down the garden path, so to speak. But uh, once it was done in Toronto, that was uh, you know to get somebody like you say, it's so rare that a, that a career player would get up and leave. You know, a picture whatever Steve Eiserman getting up and leaving Detroit uh, for uh, another club uh, when uh, you know after all uh, he had done, especially with uh, with the championships. But you know what, uh, Tavares is from Toronto and. I, I guess we've seen a lot of Toronto guys 
come back and not have success yep. because uh, the, the pressure on them. I can go way back to David Bull and David Clarkson. There's, uh, you know, uh, and, and then all of a sudden you saw lesser guys like Zach Hyman and Connor Brown uh, and certainly now Mitch Marner. Now you've seen the, the hometown, uh, you know, you've seen a little, uh, you know, you, you've seen uh, a little progress there, I guess, a little, uh, you know, the engine kind of revving up. So when Tavares came, that was even uh, more inter- more uh, you know, more conclusive that this was a place to go now, and I guess so. You know, uh, echo what Mike Babcock said that suddenly, you know, it's Toronto is not the uh, not the Siberia of the NHL in terms of uh, players who wanted to come here but didn't want all the attention. All of a sudden, it's a place to go because you can win a cup here, and you know. Uh, uh, you think of all the teams that won cups and, and walked together forever. Imagine being part of the Toronto team that finally ends the cup drought 50 plus years on. Uh, you know, as much as Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors are uh, are, are celebrated here, uh, you know, these guys will be, uh, you know, these guys could be elected mayor of the city. I think if they uh, <laughs> if they ever pull off a Stanley Cup here in Toronto. Well, you look at it now. You look at the. the I'll say it like this, and I know I'll catch flack for it, but the limited success some of these teams have had over the years and still players coming back to the city, they are still treated like as if they were champions. You know, they're, oh, yes. they're lauded. Yeah, Doug they're Gilmore, loved. yeah. Uh, exhibit A, Doug Gilmore. I mean, he was uh, he was at the Zach Hyman Golf Tournament today and getting all kinds of attention. There's a guy that, uh, you know, he played uh, just two good long playoff years here and I think four years altogether. But, uh, you know, he's considered huge. I mean, you know, Wendell Clark is still... Uh, you know, is still uh, idolized here. It, uh, it it is something if you can uh, if you can deliver here and, and be uh, you know a productive member of the Maple Leafs, then uh, they're certainly going to remember you. Well, there's one player I want to touch on with you um, before we elaborate on this season that passed. There's a few things I want to ask there, but a player that is Matt Sundin. Um, there hasn't really been a player celebrated like Matt Sundin with the Maple Leafs, but for whatever reason, it seems to be almost ice cold between the team and the player. Uh, like we just talked about a lot of players coming back and being a part of team functions, uh, being a part of different things. With Matt's, it hasn't been that way. And I'm wondering, do you have an inside track onto why that is? Or is it just Matt's is a private guy and he doesn't come over here? But I'll, I'll touch on, you do see him with the Leo Vegas things and, and part of other things, but nothing really tied in with the Maple Leafs. No, it's, uh, you know, it, it's more Matt's than anything else. I mean, he's... Uh... He's always been hermit-like. Uh, he loves it in Sweden. When he moved, he, uh, he left his house. He, uh, you know, he uh, most of his, uh, you know, most of his uh, developments, his investments, and all that he took with him. He, he has a very important partnership with the Hospital for Sick Children here in Toronto that he comes back to, I think, uh, once a year. But that's about it. He is not, uh, you know, he's, he's not quite interested in, in in coming back and being that. He did come back for his uh, statue on Legends Row, but that's. That's it. Uh, he's, you know, he's he's family man now. He figures he gave his life to hockey, gave a chunk of his uh, career in Toronto, and uh, you, uh, you know, I guess the flip side would be if he'd won two or three cups here, I think he'd be the same way. I think he would just go go back to Sweden, lead the quiet life that uh, he did before. And uh, now that he's a family man with three kids and wants to raise them in Sweden, he's even more uh, anchored over there. Well, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I have two of my own and. You know, I like being home with them, so I can only imagine being away from them for so long playing hockey and having the opportunity to finally just say, hey, enough's enough. So that's a fair answer, yeah. to be honest, 100%. Um, so last season, obviously, for multitude of reasons, it felt like a heavy year. 
you had the tragedy with Humboldt, and then you had Willie not signing. You had Austin kind of dragging, then signing in season, then Mitch's agent coming out and, you know, instantly saying, hey, you know, we want the Matthews deal. This is what's going to happen. And that added drama to the end of the season. Um, obviously, we signed Tavares, but did last year ever really get to have the shine that it was supposed to for not just the Maple Leafs, but the league as a whole? Because for whatever reason, it felt like a bit of a heavy year with things going on. Well, you know what? Uh, I'll start with the Leafs, and, and the, yeah, I mean the uh, the Willie thing dragged on till uh, much longer than it should have, and I'm sure if given a chance for do over, Kyle Dubas would have signed both those guys early on, and uh, you know at, at at better prices, and maybe had some money to do something else, maybe uh, whatever, resign Jay Gardner, who knows? But uh, the you know I think the Leafs are uh, you know are uh, you know they they got to the playoffs. They didn't uh, match, uh, you know, some some of the uh, preseason predictions. Let's remember when Tavares joined, Vegas had them at, uh, you know, at, uh, at at one point the leading team to win the cup. But oh, I think by favorite. the time, as soon as yeah, as soon as ever, as soon as you got to spring, and you knew they were playing Boston, and you knew all bets were off, and you knew, uh, you know, you, and, and you you saw the year Tampa Bay put together. And then to answer the second part of your question, I think Tampa Bay probably saved the. Uh, Saved the league in terms of positives. There's a team that uh, won the President's Trophy, set records, did everything right. Very exciting team to watch. Of course, they uh, imploded in uh, come playoff time, and that's why uh, a lot of people think that uh, the Leafs will have to uh, develop some sort of uh, tough, uh, more tougher mental attitude. Certainly against a team like Boston, that was uh, that was lacking. Uh, and uh, as far as it being a, a heavy year for the league, well, yeah, I mean, you always have the, you know, the. There's the the injury uh, factor that goes on. There's, there's already uh, you know clouds gathering about the about the CBA. But I thought at the end it it, it worked out. I mean uh, you know that's hockey that a team like St. Louis that was dead last fired their coach suddenly turns everything around and goes all the way uh, to win the cup and uh, you know brings a lot of uh, brings a lot of joy to a city that hadn't experienced before. And of course for, for Leaf fans that uh, you know from scratch, albeit just a year after they won the cup. In 67, 68, they win. I think that's 15 or 16 that have now started uh, from virtually zero and one, while Toronto hasn't even been back to the final yet. So uh, we'll uh, we'll have to see if uh, if the new year brings uh, labor peace and uh, and maybe something good for the Leafs. Well, from what I'm hearing, and I, I talk to limited people, you're more connected than I am, of course. But um, so far, I've heard there there really isn't a hill for anyone to want to die on during these uh, negotiations. Um, you know. They, they look at the uh, the escalator this year and the players decided not to use it, um, you know, and the owners agreed with the players as a business aspect, you know, it was a smart thing for players not to do. And, you know, even though it frustrated the GMs, but obviously it doesn't seem like there's an unrest or, or, or you know, a reason for, for no peace. The only thing that I can think that would be a huge thing for the players is the Olympics. Other than that, yep. it seems like everything else is kind of you know falling into place. Yeah, uh, I, I think it will. There'll be a lot of uh, hemming and and hawing, and uh, you know, I, I think uh, maybe even uh, Gary Bettman tries to uh, to step on the players even a little bit more. But I, I think they know that they have a you know that they they have a a pretty good deal. That there's uh, you know uh, they'll probably want things like minimum salary to go up, that kind of thing, and get back into the Olympics. But I can't see that being. Uh, you know, a deal breaker. Uh, I think both sides have have seen 
the damage done two or three lockouts now and I go all the way back to the first uh, strike and uh, I think there'll be uh, I think there'll be uh, peace before there's uh, any kind of a lockout certainly uh, you know and, and maybe this time they'll having known that they might get working on some of these uh, smaller things before uh, you get close to uh, you know any kind of a hard deadline so before I let you go there's a few questions I want to ask about a couple players on the squad and then the team sure. as a whole. So Jason Spezza comes over. Obviously, we all know our feelings towards him when he was an Ottawa Senator. He went to Dallas. <laughs> Obviously, doesn't have a lot left in the tank, but this is what we talked about earlier. You know, an Ontario boy coming home, playing with the Leafs. What do you see him being able to bring to this squad? Uh, I know face-offs is one thing, but his foot speed isn't there. Do they pair him up with a couple of players that have the speed and he can just purely be the disher? Or is he going to be like Jason Allison when he's here, just a specialist? <laughs> I can't imagine anyone being slower than Jason Allison as much as I, <laughs> uh, as, I, as, I as I like to. I think Allison, if I'm not mistaken, retired with something like 66 points his previous year. He had the misfortune, I guess, to play in that one year where uh, you know the new NHL uh, came in. But uh, I don't think any other Leaf retired with as many points uh, as as he did because he he benefited. Uh, benefited so much but it's kind of interesting you know uh spence is there uh you know pierre uh pierre gochi i'll be all right uh, frederick gochi spoke uh, today at the golf tournament and uh you know said that uh, he's not giving up uh, his job anytime soon uh but you know there's a lot of people tyler uh you know there's tyler Gadet, there's nick shore a lot of guys can possibly move in there and play uh center uh on that line that's going to be a challenge spezza for my money can he help on you know Play uh, uh, he, a lot of people have already considered him to be the uh, a good point man on the on the second power play unit. I think uh, he'll help there. I really think this push uh, for him coming back to Toronto it, it, it might it might affect him uh, more positively than anyone else. This is a dream of his to play with the Leafs. As much as we talk about Tavares, uh, you know he, he confided to Francis. He always wanted to play uh, for the Leafs, even though he's with Ottawa and and, uh, and and with Dallas and all that. But in the back of his mind, he always pictured himself here. So I think that's going to be a, a huge lift for him. And I I can certainly see uh, the adrenaline, maybe uh, maybe uh, chopping a couple of years off his birth certificate. That would be something to see. And you know what? That's a fair factor because I said the same thing last year when the Leafs brought in Tyler Ennis. I said that who is going to be more motivated than a guy who wants to stick in the NHL, you know, and get the oh, opportunity. Yeah. So he signed for League yeah. Min and he went, you know, as crazy as he did. Obviously had the ankle injury. But I think if he didn't have that ankle injury, who knows? He might have cracked 20 goals. So Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And playing right down the road from Buffalo where he had a lot to prove. A lot of success, yes. You know, so... The other two players I want to talk about quickly is Tyson Berry and then Kerfoot. Um, Kerf comes in. He's going to be what's penciled in so far is either a third-line winger or third-line center. Um, what do you see him being with the Leafs? Do you see him being a center or a winger? I think it's certainly a center because I got uh, Trevor Moore and uh, and Kasperi Kapanen on that third line, the way things are you know, and it may take a while for that to happen because Hyman, uh, you know, Marner might not be there uh, at the, uh, you know, I'm sure be there for opening night, but maybe not for uh, camp. You have Hyman injured, so you might see some uh, pieces move around there. But uh, Kerfoot, I think, at center on the third line between Moore and Kaplan is probably uh, the way to go there. All right. And then, obviously, the much-lauded Tyson Berry. Is he the only addition the Leafs have for defense this summer? Does CC stay? 
Uh, I think, uh, you know, I, that's a very tradable contract with CC, uh, certainly, but uh, almost everybody uh, from Mike Babcock and Kyle Dubas on down have, have talked up Tyson Berry as being exactly the guy that the, the Maple Leafs need. Now, you know, I think he's got a deal coming up in another year or so, but uh, I think, uh, you know, every, everyone says, oh, you're going to love this guy. He plays, uh, you know, he uh, good first pass guy out. He's going to be able to uh, you know team up quite well with uh, with Morgan Riley. Uh, it's going to be a good match. So uh, uh, you know based on that and, and based on you know what people in, in the Western Conference of Colorado are saying, I think he's going to be a very uh, a very good addition to the team. And uh, you know uh, you mentioned CC and a couple other guys. Uh, after that, it's a guessing game. Does CC stay? Uh, you know who's best to play with. Uh, with Jake Muzzin, how fast Travis Dermott comes back, and uh, whether Ben Harper, uh, who is, uh, you know, at least never had a chair type, maybe he, uh, you know, maybe they, uh, you know, can can be a factor there. Maybe a change of uh, scenery with that guy uh, can help because uh, Lord knows the Leafs need a big physical defensive uh, guy back there. Listen, he does not touch the ice if he's wearing number 67 on the back of his jersey as a Leaf. That's just a no, 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 no. Well, Robert Svela wore it. That's what I remember. <laughs> well, you know what, Lance? It was awesome to have you on. Thank you very much for taking some time. I know it is the summer. I know hockey is not the first uh, thing to mind, but I do appreciate you stopping by, and I hope to have you on throughout the season to talk some stories about the uh, the season that's on. Okay, thanks a lot for having me, and I uh, hope uh, some of your listeners uh, pick up a book I'm going to write called uh, If These Walls Could Talk. It's uh, interesting dressing room stories and uh, travel stories and uh, good one-liners from the Maple Leafs. Uh, going back to uh, 1917, really, all the way back to the days of the uh, of the Toronto Arenas. Had a lot of fun writing it, and uh, that is come that'll be available on Amazon. And the publisher is uh, is a Triumph Books uh, out of Chicago. Uh, they do a lot in this series, and uh, uh, I'm sure it's going to be available uh, down uh, Nova Scotia way. That is awesome. I will make sure to pick up a copy, and everyone else should as well. Be sure to check out Lance on Twitter. All the social media streams, you will find him. Check him out in the Toronto Sun. And he has wrote a lot of other books. Be sure to check them out. They are a lot hockey-based. We love hockey books. So be sure to check out Lance. Again, Lance, thanks so much for taking the time with us tonight. (music) 